0: very interesting thing we often mistake joy for happiness and happiness for joy but joy is one of those eternal and internal things that no matter what's going on in the outside of our world no matter who is sick no matter how we feel no matter how angry we may be with somebody, no matter how great things are going, joy is a constant and it's there. Amen? Joy is what we need more this season. Joy is the birth of Christ. Joy is a story of God's redemption to this world. This is a story of Christ. It says here in Matthew 1, this is how the birth of, uh, birth of Jesus Christ came about. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through his prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave gave him the name Jesus. That is a great story. It's a great history for us. A great reality for us. In fact in 1719 Isaac Watts wrote the uh, the carol joy to the world that we we love to sing at Christmas song, uh, you know Christmas time. And this 300-year-old song has a line in it that says uh, that says let every heart prepare a room. And we've kind of talked about that the last several weeks it's a great visual the that, that uh, you know we can you know we can we can visualize the idea of making room. I mean, how many of you cleaned out your garage lately? you got to make room for stuff. I mean, people in our neighborhood have, you know, unfortunately been breaking into cars and stealing stuff. So it's like, you know, we, we have enough stalls for our cars, but one car is outside right now because of all the junk in the garage. i got to make room for it. And this is what we have to do with Jesus and, and, and with God this season is, is to take out some stuff and to make room for Jesus. It has to be intentionally done. I mean, if we don't do it intentionally, if we don't sit there and prepare it, our minds will wander to whatever, fully engage, you know, if we don't fully engage with, with, with Jesus, even at this time at Christmas, man, Our minds just go all over the place. We must do what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians as he writes. He says, Take every thought captive. That means to grab a hold of it, to to hold on to it, to not let that, you know, not let your mind wander off. How many of you, well, you don't have to raise your hand because I know it's every one of you. If you've ever prayed and been in the middle of praying and your mind just kind of wanders off to something else, that happens to me all the time. I have to intentionally pray i have to intentionally think about god as i'm doing it or my my mind just kind of wanders to to so many different things we have to take a hold of our minds and our thoughts Uh, you know hold on to them telling ourselves what is and what is not going to occupy our time effort and energy our emotions if we don't control our thoughts i mean our brains focus on you know, on, on whatever is the loudest and most dramatic thing going on. And in my house, that's usually Brandon. You know, if you ever notice that with kids? If you're not paying attention to them, they get loud. And if you're still not paying, paying attention to them, they get, and they get louder. 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 And you're just like, will you be quiet? And then silence ensues just for about three seconds man so again we have to ask ourselves do we take this opportunity to do what isaac watts said and let our hearts prepare a room for jesus this christmas do we do we take what the apostle paul's you know his advice and take every thought captive and remind ourselves to clear out of space for the birth of christ i mean we have five days until christmas and for those of you that love Christmas, you're like, yes, it's almost here. Five days. It's not too late to have a great Christmas, a great Christ-filled Christmas this year. The way we get into the atmosphere is to read the story of, of the birth. And, and going back to verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now as much as this story is really not about Mary and Joseph, this story is about the birth of Christ. Wouldn't you all agree? But at the same time, it involves Mary and Joseph. So we just can't discount them. We just can't, you know, the people involved in the story were were permanently changed and affected by what's happening. In today's text, Joseph discovers something is going on. His precious and what he thought, pure wife, is now pregnant, and it's not by him. Imagine the anger that he would have. Imagine the, the disappointment, the anguish, the, the bitterness, the, the thought pattern that he would go through. The woman that I, I'm legally already married to, even though we haven't come together, even though I'm still building the place that she's supposed to come and live. But, but by the Jewish standards, we are already married. She is pregnant How can that be? The emotion. Now, we don't have any record of the private conversation. Oh, how we wish we kind of did. You know what I'm saying? Matthew only gives us this one statement, she was found to be with child. The how, the the when, uh, you know, he was told, you know, was it only after she was showing a little bit? How long did it take her? Um, did she wait until she know exactly that? Yes, I am totally one hundred percent pregnant. Is that when she told him? When did she tell him? We don't know. We just know he discovers it, and now he knows. Now, last week we talked about the Carol, old, you know, old little town of Bethlehem, where it says the hopes and and fears of all the years is met in Jesus tonight. Today we're talking about Joseph's hopes. And as far as we know, his hope, it's destroyed. I mean, his plans. I mean, he's been building on the house of his, of his father to be able to bring her home for a long time, up to a year. He's preparing the final part, the coming together of a husband and a, and a wife. I mean, Mary was, was such a catch. The joy that he had when his father had, had worked this out. With the Jewish marriage, they would always you know, plan it and work it out. It, it, you know, we're like, I don't care, Mom or Dad, if you like my other, you know, my significant other, I'm going to date them anyway. Well, that didn't happen in Jewish families back then. I mean, it was, it was put together. But, I mean, she was a catch. This might have even been arranged since they were children. We don't know. But we know Mary, and he knew Mary. I mean, only 300 people were in the village. He had great hopes. She was the one in the village. Oh, man. I mean, he was preparing everything. He wanted to have kids. He wanted to grow old together. And now that's just all over. She's pregnant. She doesn't know who it is. Imagine the scenarios that go through his head. I mean, was it my friend David? Or was it Eli? Or Amos? Or or Nehu? Or think of any other Jewish name you can think of and put it in there. Was it him? Why would they have done this to me? I mean, what about my honor? And if you know anything about Middle Eastern culture, honor is everything. What about my honor? I'm going to have to deal with that person after I deal with Mary. I mean, she's told me this crazy story about this angel. I, I don't believe it. Now, we read the story and we know the truth, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. We understand it, so we go you know, okay, yeah, we get it. You know, the angels and all that, they were involved, and they came and told, and, da, da, da. Oh, and you know, it was, it was by God, so it was not a bad thing, but, but Joseph didn't know that. He didn't know that. Joseph found out after the fact. This is not like Zacchaeus, or Zacharias, where, where the angel came to him, you know, in the holy place, and, and said, hey, your, your wife is going to be pregnant, and he walks out and doesn't say anything, because he can't say anything, and we've gone through that story, where the angel gave him a sign. I mean, Elizabeth got pregnant after the good news. The angel came and talked to her. Mary, you know, Mary, the angel, told her exactly what was going to happen. But Joseph, he doesn't know any of this. This is the first he hears about it. His wife, who's gone Lulu, came to him and said, I'm pregnant, but not by a man. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, we, if somebody came and told you that, what would you say? Yeah. You'd be thinking the same thing I am. Somebody come and this person needs to be checked into the Lulu house. I mean, I'm kind of perplexed here. Everyone gets a warning except for Joseph. Would it have saved Joseph some, some anguish if, if he would have been told? I mean, this man suffers for, for how long? Maybe Hours? days weeks that the angel doesn't come and talk to him and he's trying to figure out what to do after Mary came and told him the story I mean he is deeply wounded in all of this how could he not be he's hurt now he's not out there building a case against her like we would when somebody comes against us right we normally go right back at him or we start going to other people and trying to build our case but he doesn't do that He's holding it all in and the pain that he's going through and he knows that he is a righteous guy and and he's got to figure this out. He's got to do it the godly way and he thought Mary was a righteous woman but apparently not. Remember, this is his view. I would imagine him thinking nothing good is going to come out of this. This is going to cause lots of problems. Now, as unique as this story is, i feel that this happens to us sometimes when god is out there doing something in our lives that we cannot understand even with people that we love and they're going through something or we're we're involved with something and it just doesn't make any sense how many of you been in a situation where it just doesn't make sense see we're all in the same boat we're all in a boat that says just doesn't make sense on the side we're out there floating around sometimes We may even be thinking, man, I'm being lied to. Who do they think I am? You know, I can tell when my son is lying. It's hilarious. And I keep telling him I've got eyes in the back of my head, on the sides of my head. I know what's going on. I I, I want him to think that as long as he gets that, you know, until he wises up. But what is happening here is God is doing something bigger than Joseph something way bigger than him. And at the beginning of this, we can kind of relate to this because we're left with all these assumptions. It's not like, other stories in the Bible where, where, you know, a person's just out just ignoring God completely and God takes them down a path that, that, to try to wake them up. And, and sometimes God does that to us, too. We go off and we get out of God's plan. We, we stop communicating with Him. We don't pray. We don't read our, you know, the Word of God. We don't fellowship as much. And, and we start going down a path and all of a sudden life gets really rough. And sometimes that's God going, hey, I'm letting you go through a rough patch because I want you to come running back to me. Those stories we can relate to also, but, but Joseph, I mean, he was right there. God had his attention. He was a righteous man. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And yet, we still see the righteous man that goes through these things. I mean, is anybody tracking with me on this? Sometimes the righteous go through difficult situations. How things are unfolding outside of our plans and our control. And, and, you know, we have questions that aren't being answered. We go to God and say, God, why is this happening? And God, it's like God's like, you know, as I tell my son, zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, you know? In other words, be quiet. And it's like we feel like God just, you know, zipped it, locked it, and put it in his pocket, and he's not talking to us. And, And we're like, you know, everything is going wrong, and God seems to not be speaking. This loving God is allowing us to go through this. But in the middle of all of this, God still expects Joseph to act honorably, to act faithfully, to be just, you know, his full cooperation, even though people are starting to talk. Hey, did you know? I mean, I don't don't know what's going on over there, but Mary looks like she's pregnant. She's gaining weight. You can imagine the conversations going on. They didn't know all the facts. The accusations would be starting to fly, you know, starting to fly around. And, and they would be flying around for years to come. In the middle of all this, God expects Joseph to be a righteous man. I mean, living one day in Joseph's sandals would teach us a lot. He's an example that we should live up to. You know, we must do the right thing even when we don't feel like it. And there's been plenty of times when when I knew what the right thing was and I didn't feel like doing it. And I had that choice. Do I do what's right or do I do what feels good for me? Because they don't... You know what they did? We must do the right thing, even when we don't feel like it. We must not be a vengeful person. We must be merciful Even when we want justice, even though sometimes it may even be lonely for us to do the right thing, when everybody's looking at us like, why are you doing that? Do you see what they're doing to you? Come on, I'll be behind you. I'll get behind you. We will be confused, even in the middle of all this. Now, we know the story, but he doesn't know it. The Jesus story is being birthed in his relationship with Mary. The Jesus story is a story of injustice, of being misunderstood, of false accusations, of loneliness, of shame. I mean, we know that Jesus had younger brothers and sisters. We know that, uh, that uh, after uh, Jesus was born, Joseph continued that relationship. And he, you know, he, he, he you know, had some sons and, and, and daughters. Of, uh, you know, he had a Joseph Jr., he had James, he had Jude. He had a couple sisters that, for some reason, remained unnamed. I don't know why. But they would never face the accusations that Jesus would face. Well, (laughs) who's your dad? Because, I mean, we've heard stories. Thirty-three years later, Jesus would be executed still falsely. Still, you know, falsely accused and misunderstood and, and ridiculed. And he will suffer alone in many ways like his earthly father. And we'll get to that in a second. Many ways like Joseph of suffering alone. And here's the what can we get out of this part of it. Since Jesus suffered these things, since his parents suffered these things, as well as the, the, the followers in the first century that suffered many of these things, then it should be understood for us, sometimes we may suffer these things. We may suffer injustice. We may be misunderstood. We may be ridiculed for what we believe in. I mean, you go out into the story and you say, Merry Christmas, and, and they smile and say, Happy Holidays, or they may even say, Merry Christmas. But if you sit there and tell them the Christmas story, they'll be sitting there going, Do you really believe that? Because I believe in the tree and the lights and the tinsel and the, and the stockings and Santa. And I believe in all that. I mean, you really believe in the Jesus thing? Because you'll be ridiculed in many ways. If God was willing to allow Jesus' parents to do these things, then we may experience betrayal, frustration, confusion, disappointment, and misunderstandings that will cause us sometimes to become angry and bitter if we don't watch it, where we want to lash out and defend ourselves. And the moral of this part of the story is we should do like Joseph. We should be righteous. Righteous. Matthew goes on and tells the story in verse 19. Because Joseph, had uh, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know, this seems to me that she just doesn't come to him and tell him the story that's unbelievable in many ways. Yet we know with God everything is possible. Hindsight, we understand that. But I don't believe that she came and told him the story, and then that night he went to bed and had this dream and talked with the angel. I I think there was some time there. He had some days to think about this. I mean, how? imagine him thinking, how do I deal with this? I mean, I, I, I feel so, I mean, she obviously cheated. Obviously. I mean, how else do you, yeah, I mean, she cheated. And now she's telling me this deluded story, or she's just plain lying about it you can imagine him thinking that how often have we been in, the, in a similar situation do we believe this person who's telling us this cockamamie story now it may not involve angels and everything else but obviously there's something there and you're sitting there going this person is totally lying to me i'm sure that he is weighing the options I mean, thinking about how pure she was and how beautiful she was and and her great reputation within the town and and just great family lineage and his great family. I mean, this would have been a beautiful thing. This is extremely troubling for him. And now he feels like he has two options. Oftentimes we feel like we have two options. He can publicly out her, go before the village elders, force her hand, force her to testify, turn her over to the the local elders, which would be the judges, and they would either go to the full extent of the Deuteronomy law and literally stone her to death or some other punishment that would shame her really forever. Public option is painful for her, but absolves him from all guilt. And the Jewish way of thinking they would have said Joseph you're a great man you continue on and the discussion of Joseph would never come up in the middle of this story then there's the option he takes or he's thinking he's gonna take he's gonna divorce her quietly or secretly as few people involved as possible send her away somewhere protect her and you know protect her in a way sending her away so you know really from the shame from the talking be hard for her but it gives her a chance for you know to move on and he really is doing this in his mind you know he hasn't actually done it but he's that's his mind is set on this he's doing this because he loves her he's a merciful man he doesn't want to hurt her so he wants to protect her even after he believes that she royally messed things up i mean matthew says it well joseph was a righteous man a righteous man means a, a just man. Justice and righteousness always go hand in hand with one other thing, and that is mercy. Mercy. Some people believe to, to be a righteous man or a just man is to you know to ha, you know be stringently legalistic, to be harsh. Here's the law, and you follow it. You were going twenty six miles per hour on that twenty five, so you get a ticket. I mean, to be to be right on everything. Yet, it's really the opposite. To be just is also to have mercy, to have understanding, understand where righteousness comes from, and to give that mercy out. And Joseph gets it. He's, he's really, <clears throat> he's picked to be Jesus' adopted father. Adopted father. I mean, I know that Jesus is the Son of God. And his teachings are from God himself, okay? So theologically, I want you to understand that, that I'm not going off somewhere, you know, on the deep end theologically well. He is the son of God, and he is from God, and his teachings are from God. But also, the child is a product of his environment that, they, that he grows up in. And God has chosen for Jesus to grow up in this wonderful home with this righteous man and this pure, fantastic woman named Mary. And we will see hints of this in, in Jesus' life of, of how Mary and Joseph acted. And I can kind of understand Joseph a little bit in the story just personally because a couple of months ago I was in the doctor's office with Grayson and, and the doctor looked up, she looked up at us and said, Grayson is a very lucky boy to have you too. You have great insurance and you're going to love him. And, <coughs> excuse me. And, and while she's saying this I'm thinking she, she has it all wrong. He's not the lucky one. There's no luck about this. God has put this together. God has put this this little boy in our family for us to raise him. And my greatest hope is, number one, that he knows Jesus when he grows up. But my second greatest hope is this, that I don't screw it up. You know what I mean? Now, we can't blame the parents for everything. Don't don't get me wrong here. But Grayson will be a product of of what happens in my household. What happens between my wife and I, what happens between between Brandon and I, what happens between Grayson and I. He'll be that product of that, how we act, how we raise him. And God has entrusted us with this little guy. We are the lucky ones. So now I have to follow through on this, of being the steward of Grayson. And Joseph decides to act righteously. Joseph is going to absorb the pain that Jesus will one day absorb. He's going to stay in Nazareth, he thinks. He's going to take the hit. People are going to be going, what, how, you were engaged, Mary's now gone, what's going on? And he would have to deal with all that. Secretly divorcing her and she'll leave town. And she will raise this other man's son. This is what he's decided to do. So he lays his head down on the, on the bed, on the mattress and goes to sleep late that evening. It says, After he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Now, why is he calling him the son of David? That's not his dad. Well, he's talking about the lineage here. You're a descendant of David. He's reminding him of this. He's saying, hey, you know the scripture here. The line of, of the Messiah comes through David himself. The Messiah is going to come from... From your family. I mean, this is a huge family family lineage lineage here, but somewhere, sometime, you know, out of all the relatives of David, it's going to happen. The Messiah is going to come. And guess what? It's going to happen now. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. And the word here means be fearless. Don't shrink back from this. Don't run away from this. It will be your joy to take Mary home as your wife because what she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit now there's a lot that's going on here Joseph is a is a moral man and he has a moral dilemma on his hands because if he now because remember he's a righteous man he knows the law if he now takes Mary to be his wife he is also in violation of Old Testament law because it's not his natural child Are you following me on this? So he would be violating the law. And the angel is saying, no, 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 no. Don't shrink back from this. No laws are violated here. God is the one who is blessing this. She did not commit adultery. Don't shrink back from this. You have no cause for for a divorce here. She is your bride. You have permission from God to marry her. This is God's gift to him and God's gift to the world. Now, what happens is what happens with us. He now has more options. He thought he only had how many options? Two. I'm always forever giving my son. Son, you got two options. Two. Love that number. But God enters the picture, and all of a sudden, there's more options. This, is the, you know, this happens with us all the time. This or that, and then God provides a different way. But we're like, oh, it's this or that, and we're just agonizing over it. God doesn't violate justice or mercy here. You know, this, in this world, we're, we're offered two choices, aren't we? You're either a Democrat or a Republican. You're either pro choice or pro life. For some reason, you can't care, care about the mother and the child. It's either one, because if you care about the child, you hate the mother. If you care about the mother, you hate the child. Two choices. I mean, Fox News or or any other news channel that, where the intelligent people are, right? I mean, that's how it's presented. I mean, how could you watch Fox News? I mean, come on. I mean, they just just laugh at you if you do that. But Jesus changes it all. See, Jesus didn't get backed in the corners. They always try to put Jesus in the corners and, and try to trap him with the law or, or this or that. And he would always allow them to do their things and he would t- totally turn it around on them. We have to look for options where, where mercy and justice come together when we're dealing with stuff. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in hers from the Holy Spirit... Now the readers of Matthew would have been Jewish readers. They would have understood. They would have totally picked up on the, you know, the whole idea is, is from the Holy Spirit, and their ears would have perked up there. This is the overshadowing spirit that they learned about, the anointing spirit. This is a spirit that brings miracles and, and healings to people. It is also known as the, the creative spirit. It hovered over the waters in Genesis and, and created everything that God wanted to be created. So when they read this. When they hear the Holy Spirit, they start connecting the dots. And the Holy Spirit brings, you know, order out of chaos. And here the Spirit is bringing the one who will bring order, order to this world from this chaotic world. I mean, this is huge. This is so special. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son... And you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, as we talked about last week, you know, the name Jesus, it means literally God saves. God saves. God is with us. What does he save us from? Our sins. Merry Christmas. That's your greatest gift. He saves you from your sins. Thirty years, you know, 33 years or so from, from now, Jesus ascends to the Father and the Spirit enters the world through Christians. And in Acts 4, it begins and, and you know, and it shows himself through the Christians. And, you know, a man is healed and, and Peter and John are, are arrested and they're dragged in front of the Sanhedrin. And instead of being afraid, they stand in front of the Sanhedrin and they say, rulers and elders of the people... If you're being called to account today for, or if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to this cripple, and we ask you how he was healed, then know this You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man now stands before you, before you healed. He is the stone, talking about Jesus, he is the stone you builders rejected which has become the capstone or cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Wow. The angel tells Joseph to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. That is his mission, to save us from our sins. Not just to to get us to to be sin you know to sin less, to sin less often and and to to be a better person and all those things, his mission is to get us out of the sewer of sin and to save us from sin. Some would say, well Jesus is his goal is to 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 save people from poverty okay I don't I don't have a problem with that. I wouldn't argue with that. You know, to save people from sickness. Yes, he healed a lot of people. I would not argue with that. To get people out of danger, no problem. To raise self-esteem, Oh, okay, now you're getting in a kind of wishy-washy area. Those are all well and good. But what is all of that caused from? Sin. It's all caused from sin. His mission is to save us from sin. Your Christmas present this year is to be saved from sin. Saved from sin. We should all cry out to him to save us from our sin and our own foolishness in our life. One of the things that I continually and will continually deal with with you know, my sons is I have to teach them over and over and over that you know he gets into a situation, I go, you know, I can help you here, but I want you to realize something. You caused this. And I'm trying to teach him that, that you need to think to yourself before you get in this situation because you're the one that caused this problem i'm going to help you but you were the problem to begin with this is exactly what god does alan do you realize your sin got you into this position that i have to save you from and he doesn't say it in accusatory way he's just say, stating a fact you know for some of us for some reason we wallow around in the pig pen and we eat the same food that the pigs are eating, and we're like, oh, oh, this is good, when we know it's a lie. And everybody else around knows it's a lie, but we're living in that sin, and we just think it's great. And this is the devil's lie. The devil's lie says, well, you haven't been caught, so therefore you're winning. When reality is you're not. Well, let's finish. It says here in verse 22, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. And this is coming from Isaiah 7, 14. The virgin will be be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Sometime, sometime during this week, we need to meditate on the word Emmanuel. We need to take a break sometime in the next five days and set by yourself and think about what that means. Because this will blow your mind. God with me, God with us. Verse 24 says when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, when he woke up, he realizes he has been given, or he's been given a God given mandate. His questions have been answered. But he doesn't take time to get comfortable with the idea. He wakes up and he does what the angel tells him to do. Like everybody else in the story, his his um, obedience is completely, 100% immediate. His obedience is immediate. Or else he immediately becomes disobedient. See my point? Everything uh, Joseph does in the story confirms his character. He believes what the angel tells him and then he obeys what the angel tells him. Now, he doesn't do like we do all the time. Like all of a sudden we get a pause button. Okay, God, pause. Hmm, now, should I do this or should I not do this? And then our mind goes 20 different ways. And then once we decide what we're going to do, we go back and we hit play. We do that all the time with God, don't we? I mean, with God, it should be you just do what i ask you to do how many of how many of you have a parent that has ever said will you just do what i ask you to do yeah yeah every one of us huh will you just do what i ask you to do see this is one of the things that we can learn from the story it's it's an immediate obeying no thinking about it we act as, you know, that the whole idea about the pause button where, where we can decide if we're going to obey or not and, and you know, we'll think about it for a while. We'll, we'll mull it over. We'll check with our friends and whether they agree that God is in this or not. You know, when it's totally black and white, God says, start doing this thing or he says, stop doing this thing. And we've, hold it, we've heard it multiple times and we're like, well, I'm not really sure if that was the Lord talking. Friends, let me tell you something. There's no pause button with God. You're either obeying God or you're disobeying God right now. And the clock keeps ticking. I mean, this is what i got to explain to Brandon over and over. I mean, he's all excited. He's five now. He understands directions. I ask him to do something, he should do it. But what does he like to do? Hey, Brandon, can you go pick up your clothes and go put them in the hamper? But, and he starts in, he just, I'm like, no, 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 no buts in this. Unless it's you getting your, okay, no, I don't talk to him like that. But I'm just saying, you know, Brandon, no, 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 be quiet. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket. He hates it when I do that to him. But he does it, and it works, it's great. You know, he's like, you know, starts acting all, like you know. And I'm like, Brandon, 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 you need to obey me or you're going to suffer the consequences. Don't add, don't take away, just do what I ask you to do. It'll be much better for you if you do that. I think I'm going to be teaching them that for the next 50 years, okay? If I'm still alive, you know. But we feel like this with our children. Or if we're a boss with your workers. But for some reason, we don't allow God to talk to us this way. Wait, God, pause. You, you just sounded like you were fixing to be in charge, God. I mean, come on. No, 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 no. Uh, I got you on pause. Be quiet, God. <laughs> yeah. Now, we, don't, we would never talk to God that way, would we? I mean, not unless we're really, really angry. And if you're really angry with God, that's okay. I'd rather you be talking to him like that, and he can handle it. He's a big boy. He's got his big boy pants on, okay? But on an everyday basis, we don't talk, about the, you know, talk to God that way. Now, one thing that's interesting is Joseph immediately obeys, and he continues to obey for nine months. I mean, even though they're married, he holds off until Jesus comes. After that, he had children with her. Now, I've thrown out a lot of stuff today. I understand that. And your job is to figure out, through all of Alan's craziness going this way and that way, figure out what God has for you this morning. Because if you spent the time and effort and energy to come here on Christmas week to be here, then figure out what your takeaway is from today's message from God. Is it about obedience? Is it about doing what is right? Is it about doing what's right immediately? It's about just being a righteous person. I don't know. That's why I encourage you to take notes. That's why I encourage you to think about this, to to talk about it later. But I can tell you one thing. Many of us go, well, why don't I have a better relationship with God? And a lot of times it's because God asked us to do something way back when, and we've never done it. You know, the Sunday school answer. Jesus, God, Bible. Sometimes, you know, we're like, God, I want a better relationship. He's like, well, read my word. And then we keep going, well, God, why don't I have a better relationship? Why don't I, you know, and all these different things. We try all these different things. Why am I even going to church more often? And God's like, well, well, what was the first thing I asked you to do? With Brandon, I'm all the time. Brandon, what, what was the first thing I asked you to do? Oh, when you leave your room, you turn off your light. Now go back and do that. And God's like, You know, I'm like, God, well, 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 and he's like, Alan, Alan, what's the first thing I ask you to do? Oh, maybe I need to go back and read your word. That's the beginning of the relationship. It's understanding and knowing God through his word. So you have to figure out what your takeaway is on this this morning. So why don't we stand and and let me bless you guys as as we go out and celebrate the week of Christmas. Lord, I thank you for... uh, for your saving grace. I thank you for your plan to, uh, to save the world when you could have just wiped it all completely out and, and started over and never allowed sin to enter the world. But you gave us uh, a chance. You gave your creation a chance. And I pray that uh, we, we look at somebody like Joseph as, as we really concentrate on him this morning, Lord, that, that we would be righteous, that we would be just, that we would look at, at people that you've interacted with in the Bible and say, I want to look up to that person and emulate that person in my life. Now, Lord, I ask you that uh, for those that are living in disobedience, that you give us a second chance and a third chance and a 2,000th chance. That when we turn to you, you very clearly tell us what you want us to do and that we immediately, immediately obey you. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he bless you just with a mighty idea of of what Christmas is about this week. May he give you an overwhelming joy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.